Ladies and gentlemen, good evening, good night, and welcome back to another episode of Tomahawk Talk Graveyard Shift. I'm your host, Sebastian Zoriano. It has been a while. Uh, I want to say four or five months. I, uh, I got into rowing, and I stopped working the graveyard shift for a while. But I'm back. I'm sorry for the delay. Last time we talked about weird sports, which is a little off the beaten path for us here at V89 Sports. And this time we're going to do it again because we're not even talking about sports today. Uh, we'll talk about a sport, but that is literally an eighth of the biggest thing that we're going to talk about today. And we've got about two dozen uh, things to get to, to through today. Um, we're talking Oscar talk. And I've got a big panel, the biggest panel I've ever had on Tomahawk Talk Graveyard Shift. And... Um, it's a pleasure to have you gentlemen here, so I will introduce you one by one. Uh, Brett Rutherford, um, current host of Tomahawk Talk, the big show. Um, how you doing, man? Well, yeah, last time uh, you had me on uh, Graveyard Shift, I was but a minnow in the V89 Sports uh, pond. But yeah, like you said, hosting Tomahawk Talk, loving that. Wanted to hop on Graveyard Shift. We got the Oscars on Sunday. Uh, we love talking movies here, and so many of us love talking movies that... All four of us are in this tiny little uh, studio, so uh, going to be a good time. Thank you once again. Yeah, uh, Brett Rutherford, one of the biggest things he did when he was starting out here at uh, WVFS was, of course, working the graveyard shift on the second episode, I believe, or the third episode, technically. It depends when you count on the graveyard shift cinematic universe. But um, next up, we have a guy who actually works in the movies. Well, close enough. Uh, he is as close as most of us get to the uh, big screen. It's none other than our very own Luke Hazen. All right. Thanks for having me, Sebastian. You know, this is my second year here at V89, and it's actually my first graveyard shift. And uh, as the resident uh, movie theater employee of this panel, I'm really, really excited to talk about all of the movies that I got to see this year. I do want to butt in before you introduce our last panelist that I, I do. I'm a movie theater employee veteran. Uh, uh, was my first job in high school working at a theater back home, so I, too, have some experience. Part of the union. Part of the union. Yes. And finally, another new voice for uh, Graveyard Shift, we have Matt Povak. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This is my first time on the show. Um, unfortunately, I did not work at a movie theater like these two seasoned veterans here. I didn't but either, so. I do go to the movies a lot, and I watch a lot of them, so hopefully I'll be able to get put in my two cents. All right. And as you all know, last a few months ago, uh, as they do, the Academy did bring out um, their nomination list. So we've got, like I said, uh, a couple dozen, maybe a dozen and a half. Um, I can't count just looking at it. Um, nominations to get through. Uh, but first, we do have the scrubs and the snubs. Uh, you know, with the, the Academy only has so many nomination slots. They've gone through over the past uh, few years and expanded how many films can be nominated for uh, certain categories, I know. They doubled the amount of uh, films that could be nominated. For example, the best animated feature back in 06-07 when you know um, Pixar's DreamWorks and every studio in between were pumping out bangers. Um, but uh, with that in mind, panel uh, biggest snub. I have to go first here. Right, I've got good. one. I'm real, real passionate about. And I think you guys agree will agree with me here. Uh, looking at at best director. So let's let's list off. List off the nominees. We've got Bong Joon-ho. We're going to talk about this category later on. Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Great film. Sam Mendes, 1917. Todd Phillips, Joker. Martin Scorsese, The Irishman. And Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But the one name they left off. 
She's already been uh, nominated for this before, I believe, for Lady Bird. Greta Gerwig, mm-hmm. uh, director of Little Women. Um, I mean, just amazing reviews. I, I will be honest. I haven't seen it, so maybe I'm not the best person to comment on this, but I'm a huge Greta Gerwig stan. Uh, she casts Saoirse Ronan in like, all of her films, and that's like my favorite actress. So Greta Gerwig. Like, one, I'll say it. I'll say it now. Like, there should be a woman on this list, but not just because like there needs to be a woman on this list, because there's a woman that deserves to be on the, in this list in Greta Gerwig. Brett, I know you haven't seen it yet, but I had the pleasure of seeing this film a couple weeks ago when, when it was released in theaters, and... It's incomprehensible for Greta to not make this list, as this film is the very next film that she came out with after Lady Bird. Like this is her follow-up, and it's not a Best Picture nom. It is so like you would think that holds a little weight, uh, holds a little traction there. Um, but Little Woman was so beautiful, it was so well put together and so well acted upon by Saoirse Ronan and Florence Pugh and the whole cast. Um, I was really, really disappointed when she did not get the nomination for Best Director. Go, going back to what Sebastian said, that you know some of these categories are restrained to just five nominees, where Best Picture can get up to ten now. I don't know how many there are this year, nine? I think, yeah, they're not. Nine, about so they can go up to ten for Best Picture noms. Yeah, nine noms. But when you're, when you're having an award for director or actor, you'd think you should have just as many nominees if there are you know, enough films or enough performances that are worth it. And so when you've got 10 Best Picture noms, Little Women is nominated for Best Picture, and Greta Gerwig in turn is not nominated for Best Director. It's, I don't know, it's something about the, you know, the Oscars, the Academy Awards, that, that bugs me a little bit, but... I think they're kind of trending in the opposite direction. I think there needs to be a retraction of Best Picture nominees. Well, if that's the award of the night, if that's the big one we're going for, shouldn't there be less nominees? Shouldn't that be the creme de la creme? Exactly. And again, it does depend on the year. There, Like, 2018, there were n- nowhere near as many films as there needed to be um, on that on that list. And this year, it, didn't, it felt like there weren't enough spots for all the great films that came out this year. So I guess you have to take it year by year, but... Yeah, I do think there needs to be an expansion and, of actors and director nominees. And, and when these nominees were released a few weeks ago, uh, Issa Rae, I don't remember the actor she was with to announce them. It was like she was with John early. Cho. John Cho, yeah. And she read off the uh, you know the list of nominees for Best Director, and when she got to the last one, it was you know, Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, she just said congrats to all these, and then like completely deadpan right into the camera to all these men. And you know, made a real emphasis that there were no women nominated. And again, it's not about, you know, there needs to be a woman nominated, but there are women that deserve to be on this list, and Greta Gerwig, I mean, 100%. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think another woman who could have been nominated was Alma Harrell for Honey Boy. I don't know if yeah. you guys have seen okay. that. That was a great, great movie, and it was very well directed. Did Honey Boy pick up any nominations no. for, no. for no. the No, and that's what I'm going to get into yeah. later. But Matt, what were a couple other of your snubs? Uh, well, back to Honey Boy, I think I think this was Shia, Shia LaBeouf's comeback year. He had two great films, and Honey Boy, Honey Boy was the best one, but uh, The Peanut Butter Falcon was my yeah. feel-good movie of the year. Uh, I think he could have gotten a Best Supporting for that. I think Honey Boy, really, he deserved a Best Supporting. He played his father, who had a history of abuse and drug abuse, and it's such a raw film. The emotion, it was almost uh, cathartic, I would say. There were so many great actors and actresses that were for lack of a better term, in their bag this year. Like, there were so many dedicated performances. Uh, we'll get into the lead actor and supporting actors uh, later on, but just building off of what you said about Shia, I would actually have to go with Willem Dafoe. 
oh, as my agreed, snub agreed. for supporting actor, leading actor. You could flip-flop him and Robert Pattinson all you want for The Lighthouse. Um, the fact that that movie didn't get as much traction as it did, as much love as it did, is a real disappointment to me, especially coming from a horror movie fan's perspective. It's one of my favorite genres. I wish it was a little more well-respected by the Academy, but Willem Dafoe probably put forth one of his better performances in the last half-decade, decade, um, and to not see him get nominated for it, it was kind of disappointing. And I know Willem Dafoe, you know, he's been around Hollywood for a very long time, but you look at some of these acting categories, especially actor as opposed to actress, a lot of almost lifetime achievement nominations. And I think that led to some very talented actors and some and some really good performances getting left off the list. Another one, and I know, Matt, I think you feel very similarly, um, Adam Sandler, Uncut Gems. Oh, exactly. So not only was Adam Sandler left off for, for lead actor, um, Uncut Gems didn't get anything. Um, and it's a shame. It's disappointing. Like you, we know Adam Sandler has the talent, and he's and he's shown it in in a couple films. Like even even going like Uncut Gems is a really good example. Uh, Click in uh, the second act is is like it's he's really good, uh, and he's he's capable of of playing serious roles. But it feels like he, he's typecast himself so many times that he's doomed himself from you know like oh well he's just he's just punched above his weight class from film well that's that's his wheelhouse and i don't blame him at all for sticking to comedic roles most of the time but he is transformational in uncut gems it's by far his most dramatic and probably best performance he's ever had in his career and i think people could see that they clearly saw it in uncut uncut gems and yet despite that they went with others over him i, I actually didn't think he showed off a lot of ra- a, a, you know, an extraordinary amount of range in Uncut Gems. For a lot of that movie, he still felt like classic Sandler. You know, he had some, you know, some one-liners, and he he was still, you know, vintage Sandler for for me. But Uncut Gems, a lot of mixed reviews on that film as a whole. I had a hell of a time watching it, um, but kind of a, a, a mixed bag of, of reviews and the way people thought about it. It was very fast-paced. It was up and down. Um, for it to get shut out completely, though, I thought it was a bit of a mistake. Sandler, you know, getting getting left off. It's not the biggest travesty, I think, of you know, of all these stubs. But uncut gems. I mean, I could make an argument that it should be on. You know, got a best picture nom over maybe Ford versus Ferrari, or maybe even Joker. I know that's an unpopular opinion, but I'm not arguing with that actually. Like, yeah, I, I I do agree with you though, and that I think the biggest offense with these snubs that we've been talking about is Greta Gerwig not getting that director's nomination. I truly believe. Well, and then, uh, uh, what about Jennifer Lopez? You know, she's been, she's been, yeah, Hustler. She was amazing in Hustler. Great, great movie. And I know that's not a movie that would, like, typically be considered by the Academy and and Jennifer Lopez. She's been in, you know, the news for her halftime performance. Uh, I thought that was another stub. And you look at some of the other actresses that were put on there and it's like, if you looked at all the names uh, that were nominated for all the acting categories without seeing the film or knowing what the film was, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I can see that happening. You got Charlize Theron, you got Scarlett Johansson, Renee Thalweger, Pesci, Pacino, Hanks. Like, it's like, you know, who's who of Hollywood actors. But it felt like the Academy really didn't dive deep into many of these performances and, and try to, like, pick the best performances of the year. One under-the-radar snub, and we'll, we'll continue on after this, I guess, but one under-the-radar snub that shouldn't have been under the radar was Aquafina in The Farewell. I cannot, yes. I cannot believe she did not get nominated for Best Actress this year. And thank you for reminding me because that also brings up, I think, a movie that was, I don't think, I don't know if it was shut out. Uh, Rocket Man, Taron Egerton. Yeah. He won both Aquafina and Taron Egerton won at the Globes for their categories, and neither of them were even nominated at the Oscars. Rocket Man got one nomination for Best Original Song. That was it. 
despite. I mean, are you are you yeah. kidding me? Rocket Man, look at look at who was nominated. I know this Rocket Man is going to be compared for probably all of eternity to one film, and that's Bohemian Rhapsody. They came that's out right. back to back years. They're both r- rock biopics. You know, Freddie Mercury, of, exactly. And actually, I think uh, this, who's the um, manager that is in, is in both. One's played by um, oh oh uh, oh man, I'm forgetting the name right now. Richard Madden. None, nonetheless, so these movies are going to be compared. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody was nominated for uh, Best Picture last year at the Oscars. It won Best uh, Comedy or Musical or Best Drama at the Golden Globes. I think it won Globes. Best. It won Best Comedy or Musical at the Golden Globes, and then it won Best Film Editing at the Oscars the next. Er, and that movie was edited terribly. Yeah, I, I thought. agree. There, there's Rami a, Malek won Best Actor also. They, they, that's they, crazy. They, they show that whole... scene where they're offered the the the, the, label, the record label. That's yeah, what I was gonna yeah. get to. There's like where there's a cut every two seconds in like a five minute span, and. I enjoyed personally out of those two movies. I, I loved Bohemian Rhapsody. I really loved Rocket Man, and maybe it's because it's a lot easier to you know maybe connect with just Elton John instead of like into all of Queen, even though it was a Freddie Mercury biopic. But for Taron Egerton and for Rocket Man to get left off, except for an original song, big big disappointment for me. I will say this: the one thing we keep talking about all these different snubs and these people left off list. I think this was an excellent year for movies compared to the last years. Yeah, I think 100%. the reason that we're talking about all these people left off is there weren't enough spots. There weren't enough nomination spots because this was such a good year for movies. Did you guys mention The Lighthouse? I yeah. know you guys yes. talked about it. Yeah, I, did, I talked about it earlier. That, one's, um, that movie's in 4-3 aspect ratio, right? It, it is shot beautifully. Game. It yeah. got nominated for one. It got nominated for Best Cinematography, which I would probably... We'll get into our picks later, but I would personally vote The Lighthouse as my uh, favorite to win just, that award. Just from the trailers alone, the cinematography in that film, pretty incredible, but... I, I no, like you're right. Yeah. It was great, great year for film, which means there's going to be snubs. Like for all these categories, you can't have more than five nominees, except for for best picture. But it's not even that. Like there's just actors and actresses and films that are on the on these lists that just weren't. It really does up to feel snuff. like a lifetime achievement award. Like it does. Anthony Hopkins, best supporting actor, he was great in the Two Popes, but. Was that one of his better performances? Was that one of the top five performances of the year? Jonathan Price, I do agree, was incredible in The Two Popes, and he was born to play the role of Pope Francis. Looks just like him. Yeah, well, <laughs> Hopkins is in a similar way for Pope Benedict, but I I don't know. I just felt like there wasn't enough dig in. in maybe this is the case every year with the Oscars. They take names they recognize, films they recognize, easy, safe roles, and they don't really dig deep in... Uh, what's another one? Lupita Nyong'o for us. She, she yep. played two characters. Yep. Arsenio Hall style. When I when I first saw Us earlier this year, I didn't I didn't come out thinking that it was going to be nominated for Best Picture. It wasn't a Get Out where you thought yo this could actually cause some waves at the Academy. But what I did take away from it is that Lupita Nyong'o is on, at the top of her game. She is one of the best actresses in Hollywood, and she deserves a nomination. Um, all while keeping in the back of my head that there is clearly. A bias against horror movies when it comes to the Academy. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's bad. I I knew there was that from the moment they didn't nominate Tony Collette for Hereditary and her awesome performance a couple years ago. Um, so I was disappointed to see Lupita and, not get that nomination. Well, then she didn't even get one. For, Lupita Nyong'o didn't even get one for Mask and in Rise of Skywalker either. <laughs> um, but oh, uh, yeah, yeah, horror definitely gets probably the short end of the stick um, the at the Oscars. Because, like, in, in Hollywood, there, there are two different types of films that are made. There's films for entertainment and films as art. Uh, the Academy only cares about films as art. Um, 
those are two different like demographics, and horror consistently falls into the first one. Um, I know it, I know a lot of these films are entertaining, and are also works of art, but um, you know. But see, I, I see, don't like. I, I say this, but at the same time, and like the first thing I do when I look down at this uh, this sheet that we have for the nominations list, I just see Avengers Endgame as the first re- uh, line, I, uh, the first movie that I see, and it's, it's granted it's for visual effects, but um, like just as actors are typecasted, movies are typecasted too. Yeah. Um, or or shoved into a stereotypic uh, a stereotyped corner. Like horror movies aren't known for like. Great performances. I'm, I'm, I guarantee that there's at least one of those old farts up at the Academy of Arts and Sciences, sciences that goes, oh yeah, horror movies like like Elm Street or something like that, where it's like incredibly cheesy, you know, your, your George Romero type beats where it's like, oh, the, I mean, it's acting, but it's not like... It doesn't deserve to be with the big boys up here. See, and that's where I disagree with The Lighthouse. That was a form of art. I, I did not come away with that thinking that most people would be entertained. I think most people would feel uncomfortable after watching The Lighthouse. If you, if you, I was personally mesmerized by it. But the way it's shot, the way that Pattinson and Defoe play off each other, I, I'm i going to be upset about that for a long time, not getting the love it deserves. Are Us and The Lighthouse any more horror films, any more a horror film than Parasite, than Joker, these films that kind of... You know, on that line that between that line. action, drama, and thriller, and there's some horror aspects in both Parasite and in Joker. I don't it, think I don't think Joker had horror elements. I think Joker had moments when when you wanted to be carried by suspense. In, but in like Parasite suspense, is suspense isn't is suspense a horror element? No, it's a movie element. Suspense suspense is what drives most of the interest in movies. Yeah, so right. I think you go up and down the list. There's there's a clear sense of suspense in every single one of them. You have to have it or else viewers aren't going to be as engaged in the film. And, th- and this will never happen, but from a from a fan of film and a fan of the Oscars, even though we, we can sit here and, and talk crap about it every single year. I hate, I hate starting off the podcast like that. But no, but we gotta we gotta get, get we're going to get it out of the way. We're going to get it out of the way. We're going to do it every year. They're never going to make us happy. Uh, there's always going to be personal snubs or just you know consensus snubs but the one thing I wish that could happen and again, it will never ever happen is you know... Uh, these come out early in the morning. Later in the day, a couple representatives from the academy come and sit up on a dais, and the press gets to ask them questions like they're the coaching staff from a team that just lost the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Like a press conference. Like a college football we... playoff. Where Wait, the, are you telling me that to... you want individuals from Hollywood to be responsible for their actions? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, it, is this the Golden Globes uh, opening monologue? No, but like, I could sit there and ask. I could say... Well, so Greta Gerwig was she was she sixth? Was she the first you know director off? Uh, which directors you know were, mm. were considered above so, her? Like, we, we've gotten stuff like this before from like anonymous um, you know testimonials for, um, from press around Hollywood, and the answer is very very simple. And as someone who's an avid follower of the animated feature, I know it's for kids. I don't care. Uh, I'm still I've still grown up and been thoroughly entertained by just about every single nomination that hits that list. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the old guys up at the arts and sciences don't care. Like they they really don't care. Like they look they. Uh, I'm gonna use the uh, best animated feature as an example. They look at the list. They ask their like six year old kid, hey, uh, or grandkid in most cases, hey, uh, what what was your favorite cartoon movie that you watched? And they're they're gonna automatically say uh, like the whatever the Disney movie is. And it's like oh, okay, or they'll just say oh I just voted for the Disney one because it's the only one I could. I was about. actually really happy to see Frozen two not get a nomination. To be, to be fair to Pixar though, besides you know a couple mm, films 
almost everything they put out like, they rarely the miss indeterminate yeah. like Frozen 2 though, I haven't seen it but I heard it just didn't kind of pack the same punch as no. the original but uh, maybe Pixar still made, made you know got a nomination with, with Toy Story 4 which also I, did, I thought was a fine movie yeah. I thought it was probably the weakest of the Toy Stories I think that's probably pretty I would totally it's, agree it's with very you. much an epilogue story they, they like didn't need good. to come out with another movie after three. I thought three ended perfectly. They that, probably should have left saying. it there. But I also don't think... The conclusion of, like, Toy Stories 1, 2, and 3 are a, are a story. Toy Story 4 is an epilogue. But they also, you know, they're introducing new characters. They're, like, introducing yeah. new storylines. I want to say, if they were... If the producers and the creators were pressured to come out with a new Toy Story, I'm not sure whether they were or not, they did a heck of a job building off of three and introducing new characters and I still sending too. it off with a really, really good goodbye. Well, yeah, what was the... It was a Sporky or Sporky or... Forky. Forky. Yeah, I liked Forky. Uh, give me some <laughs> e- more Forky. Even then, like, animated... F- I like didn't there are, Forky, We'll, we'll get to them. Actually, we could probably get to it now, because that is next on our list, but when we're talking about um, animated feature, there's nothing that, like... Like, nothing hit me as hard as Into the Spider-Verse last year. Spider- uh, like, yeah. These movies are phenomenal. Um, Missing Link, Klaus are two of my, my front runners and two of my favorites on this list but um spider-verse and i'm not like you I, I i think i've told hazen this or i've told luke this but i haven't told all of you guys i'm not big on superhero movies like um iron man one was really cool but by iron man six or as you know the avengers i was a little bored by like iron man 14 or whatever i was sick of them yeah it's like iron um, man just gets a cool new feature in his suit and they go yeah i'm sorry like, i'm not like, a huge if you've if you've movie, like but. I've, I was Sound looking like at it and I was, I was browsing the internet the other day and like there were like a total of like 60 different suits used in over the course of like 20 different movies. Right, let's, like, get, let's get back to animated feature. But animated feature, um, I, like I said, Klaus, Missing Link, my, my front runners, and that's because um, the best animated feature should be two things uh, in two equal parts for me. Uh, best uh, in part, it has to be technologically very sound. Um, I'm a huge fan of either using traditional techniques. Missing Link is a phenomenal stop-motion animation film. I love stop-motion. It's it's beautiful. Aardvark and Lakia, who who created... Um, Lakia was the uh, studio that created Missing Link. Um, doesn't miss. Like Each one of their films is extremely beautiful. And Klaus is very special in its own way because it's it's also 2D hand-drawn animation with uh, computers. It's, it's fantastic. I, I love that stuff. And that's why, um, even though I, I, I don't dislike Pixar... Um, I grew up on Pixar, just like everybody else in this room, and I very much love uh, each and uh, well, not each and every one of them films, but most of their films. Um, be seeing 3D CG when year after year after year, um, no matter how interesting the story is, does get um, a little boring because the old ways of animation are so uh, taxing on the artist and so um, as a con- but in equal parts expressive. Um, you can be so much, so much more expressive with 2D sometimes than you can with 3D. It all depends on the artist, though. You can do great things with any medium. Um, I just I, I want to see something different every year. And I, with these two films, I really did get something different. Yeah, and, and Pixar, for most of their history, has always kind of been like one step ahead of the game in terms of the technology and their 3D animation. And they've done a lot of beautiful things with that. The best Pixar films have won awards and have been critically acclaimed due to their storytelling. And if you look at, you know, you look at Up, you look at Wally, the Incredibles, you look at the Incredibles, it, they don't have that this year. Toy Story Four, like I said, fine film, 
isn't like the greatest story on this. Doesn't list. pack the punch that and others before yeah. it has. Honestly, it felt more like a tech demo than anything. It was like, hey, look at what we can do with. with it looked it looked crazy good. It really, yeah. Like no, the jump 100%. from Toy Story three to Toy Story four was insane. I I could not believe my eyes for a second. I thought I was watching three D. Like I had the glasses on everything. It was looked awesome. But if you look at films like Missing Link and Light Klaus, they have the storytelling. They've got they're unique in the way they're made. Um, and I hope Toy Story Four doesn't win. I think that would be disappointing. If it does, there will be blood. <laughs> no, but I'm just like you're right. You're right, Sebastian. You know, Pixar. They Pixar is chalk. Yeah, Pixar is upset. chalk. So we want a little March Madness upset here, uh, just because. Toy Story 4, fine film. Pixar, obviously a wonderful, amazing, legendary studio. They just don't have it this year. They just like, they, it was good, move on. Make your money, move on. I'm not saying that Pixar is washed by any means, but it feels like, I mean, Coco was kind of an exception in my book. And maybe it's because they, was they did amazing. like, like, what was it, three or four straight sequels? They went, story, yeah, Pixar, Pixar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they hit a really, really rough patch there where they were coming out with like sequel, 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 sequel. And the, um... The like the movies that aren't sequels, uh, like they are interesting. Like Inside Out is a good example, but they don't like jump out at me and didn't grab my attention like The Incredibles did. The Incredibles was like this. This like changes things. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm gonna have to disagree with you, all you guys. I think I agree that Toy Story Four isn't the movie that Toy Story Three was, but you have to look at it. And Toy Story Three was nominated for Best Picture, not even Best Animated uh, Feature. And I think Toy Story Four is going in with not as hype as Toy Story 3, but it's going in with just around the same amount. Like, its score on uh, critic reviews is maybe a couple percents lower, but it's... I just think that even though it's chalk, it's still going to get the award. See, I think there's a disconnect. I I personally think that Toy Story 4 is going to win. I don't think you bet... I think, I think the house always wins. Yeah. Or the house wins most of the time, and I do think Toy Story 4 is going to bring home the award. I am proposing... That Missing Link should win. I went into Missing Link with an open mind, not really knowing what to expect, and I thought it was the most one of the most charming films overall. I would liken it to Little Woman and just how much it made me smile, how charming it was, and how funny it was. Uh, Zach Galifianakis is hilarious. Uh, Hugh Jackman does a great job in it. Uh, just the, the talent around the film is amazing, and it looks beautiful. The, the technology from a technological is sublime. From a technological uh, perspective. It is one of the better feats of the year, honestly. Could someone look up what the track record is for Golden Globe animated films winning at the Oscars? Because I know Missing Link won at, at the Globes. Um, but also, I just do want, wanted to point out real quick. So we've been sitting here in the studio talking about uh, movies, and my iPad's just been sitting right here on the desk. And uh, randomly, I get a notification from my AMC Theaters app. Uh, tell me to come buy movie tickets and go see a movie. So, Dude, it's listening to you. Big Brother Uninstall. is Uninstall. definitely listening. But I'm actually glad because I might go see a movie tonight. I don't know. Who knows? You see, I'm, I also don't really care about like the surveillance stuff. That's a podcast for another time. Uh, do we want to talk about some of these but other... We're not talking about politics on my show. Let's pick some winners. Get out of here. Get out of here. Cyber security. Yeah. I don't care. Make, my, give me a, a streamlined uh, user experience on my on my devices. Do we want to talk about some of these other... like? Uh, not minor categories, but smaller categories. Secondary categories. Shout Secondary. Shout-outs to, uh, like I said, Avengers Endgame getting visual effects uh, Visual effects nom. Like, it's always... I feel like that always happens, where, where a Marvel movie will just get, like, a random... A random... Uh, I think if they were going to get a nomination, nomination, I think visual effects is the perfect one for them. Yeah. I mean, especially the last... The third act of the movie, the the 
the effects that you could see on screen were crazy, crazy good. I do think they deserved a nomination for it, as much as Star Wars did, yeah. or the you know well, the you Lion know, King. I mean, I think visual effects is probably as big of a toss up as any of them. But I don't, I haven't seen the, like the the Vegas. I, if you wanna, if I'm looking at that, like, I think the Lion King is a front runner there. Yeah, the Irishman with the de aging effects I think too, the, uh, yeah. which looked flawless. I loved like mm. a, a lot of people hated the de aging. I th- I thought it went off without a without it a problem. It was much. Much better than them recasting those actors, in my opinion. And a lot of people will go back and Just forth about. on this. I didn't mind it, but I know people that did, and I think that might hurt its its chance of well, winning the award because there are there are haters to that. They didn't like there's a taboo the, around it. Yeah, there's there's a look of the um, what was it the face looking younger, but then the body movements yeah. older, and people were really pointing that out. I think that that might knock that back from so, getting the award. So we're not going to go into spoilers, but there's one scene in The Irishman where De Niro is. He's playing a younger, you know, character, so that you have the aging effect. His younger self. But he's like kicking the crap out of someone on the side of the road, and he's kicking like an old man. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. Um, but he's supposed to be in his forties or fifties, I think, at the time. So he's still supposed to be able to move around. So that was, yeah. I saw, I saw people were complaining about that scene, which is probably, I think, fair. But I don't think it took away from the movie or the experience. And I, I think overall, uh, the Irishman, they used those those effects. I don't know if you you outright well. give them an award for visual effects for pulling off. For barely pulling off the de aging, um, so I would I would probably pick Avengers to win this honestly. Yeah, I mean, a nineteen seventeen too is another one. A nineteen seventeen. I think nineteen seventy has a much better chance. Um, I would like to see nineteen seventeen just because technologically it's also a really cool film for a handful I mean, of reasons. But there's so they many. Can win it. It, it, yeah, there. It's like Birdman, right? Where where they doesn't. It's a one continuous shot all the way through. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah do, same, they, do they do whip cuts in 1917? I don't. There's one. I specifically remember there are plenty. Of, no there are plenty of hidden. But. Oh yeah. It's made to look like one shot. There are plenty of hidden cuts throughout the movie. I'll Some of them you can pick up on. Exactly. Yeah. There, there's if some you're searching ones. for them, but if you're not, if you're just watching the movie, exactly, you won't. You'll be. You'll think. You'll be like, whoa! There hasn't been a cut yeah, in the past I, seven minutes. I, 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 I looked for them though throughout the. That was, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. if, like, if you know that it's made to look like one shot going into the movie, you're gonna be trying to disprove that. You're gonna be like, hey, wait! No, there's a few where like the characters that. go like behind a wall and like it goes. There's the a wall. cut around a corner yeah. or something like that. And then there was can, only oh, one yeah. sequence where they like. Do, do they, they're spoilers. Like, I'm specifically asking for. Do you guys know what a whip cut is? Yes. yes. Okay. But there was, but it was very smooth. Yeah. Well. Okay, real quick, we're gonna, we're gonna dive deeper into 1917 later. Uh, the, the first like sequence where they're walking through the trenches originally, and it was super shaky cam. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeah, I had a huge headache, and I was like, I'm gonna hate this film. And one thing I had, <laughs> and I was like, this is gonna be terrible. They got super smooth throughout, uh, but again, that's probably you know not necessarily visual effects, but 1917 the whole. 1917. Uh, trust me, 1917 is gonna win a lot of awards. Come Sunday, I it don't. Yeah, it. you it, can make an argument that it could win everything that it should. Exactly. I, d- I, if I were picking, I would not. I would stray away from 1970 for visual effects. I think one comment to make on Sebastian, you said Lion King. I think Lion King definitely deserves the what they were able to do with the faces. But, but I what think- I what I will say is, in the past, the Academy hasn't rewarded uh, that type of movie, The Planet of the Apes. The uh, which I think is even Apes, better. Apes should have absolutely. And it never, it never won any of them. Yeah, I think the Academy really strays away from that cra- that uh, that yeah. type. Of and Lion King was nowhere well, near the animation. If that you're worried was. about like Apes not winning, um, or if you're worried if like Apes doesn't win, then Avengers has way less of a chance. Because Avengers is just like you can't comp the two. Different. You can't. It's yeah, different. you can't compare this to Lion I think King. Avengers, I think Avengers will get it. They're both recorded in a room in Atlanta. 
But what what I'm saying is, in Atlanta, and like that is, like I, I like if we're talking about the, how to make the movie, they're both made incredibly. Hey, shout out to the state of Georgia. They have done a great job bringing films to their state. Florida has a lot of them. Florida has And Stranger Remember things. that? Remember that one uh, movie that was supposed to be filmed here in Ebor, and it wasn't. Yeah, they filmed it in New Brunswick. I think. Oh, that made me mad. Yeah, I remember that, that made me mad. All right, next up, what do we got? Next up, score. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk a little score. Mm. A little music. A lot of great nominees. Sebastian, read us off. Uh, we got Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, and Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. So we got a little we, bit of... We've talked about The Last Dom a lot. Uh, John Williams. John Williams nominated in seven different decades. And this is... Really? Yeah. This is his last film, right? Or is that Star Wars film? He's, he's done with Star Wars. Last Star Wars film. So he's still going to keep composing and yeah. conducting. So well, we'll see you in 2030, folks. He's got to come back for the next Indiana Jones movie, so... <laughs> Oh boy, thing. yeah, it's a it's a thing. Oh, it's a thing. With, Thanks, Kathleen. With Harrison Ford. With Harrison Ford. Shia. Yeah, Shia. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Shia. Was it was, was that Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Yeah. Like that? I, I, lo- I I like. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Skull. There was only three Indiana Jones. John, Indiana. I like Kingdom of the Crystal mm. Skull. John Williams, Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. I'm so lucky that Brett is between us right now. Um, the the score in, in Star Wars was was amazing as it always is. As it always is. But was it anything like different? Was it anything new? No. The, o- the only new aspect to it was, uh, and again, I don't want to go into spoilers, but in the third act, when Ray has come to this st- standstill in it, there's this there's this one scene where this new music starts to play, and I, I kind of got chills, honestly, yeah, listening no, to it. There was definitely if you know stuff. if you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, but other than that, it was a lot of reprise, a lot of um, remixes of the same scores that we've been listening to over the course of our childhoods. When it comes music, to Star Wars. So the music re- perfectly reflects the, the entire plot point of the film. Yeah, which is yeah. to say, hey, remember all this stuff? We're doing it again. But also in Rise of Skywalker, it's such a fast-paced film that it, it's not necessarily easier to score. But I enjoy the scores in films like Marriage Story, where there's a lot more slow, drawn-out scenes and sequences, where the music really has to carry the scene. When there's less dialogue, when there's less action, when there's less visual effects or sound effects, that you're really relying on the score to carry the film. Uh, Marriage Story, my pick. I don't know if it's going to win. I don't know what the favorite is. I think probably like 1917. Yeah. Or, I don't know, maybe Joker. I, I think, Joker yeah, I think Joker's going to get it. And I know I know you guys Ooh. don't think, I've heard I've heard you guys say it's it's all right. But I just, it was a haunting score for me when, uh, I'm not going to go into spoilers, but there's a scene, a major event that happens and Joaquin Phoenix is in a room by himself and it's this it's one of the scenes of the film it's yeah yeah, it's he's in he's he's in a uh, room and there's a mirror and he's dancing and the score is just playing in the background and there's no dialogue there's nothing else blowing and i just think it's it's stuck with me more than any other score this year i agree with you matt like the i think the the reason why i got the nom is because of how well it contrasts with the the licensed music that they used in the film you know it's it's all like uh upbeat like either dancing uh, dancing tunes or like uh, you know the the big song behind the movie is that's life, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I you, it's like it's like you've got these euphoric highs with this uh, with the licensed music, and then you've got these crushing lows with the uh, with the original score. And I think that's what sells the score. You can't if you're looking at the score if you're listening to the score in a vacuum, then you're not going to get the same uh, impact that you do. If you're watching the movie, yeah, I, I have to go with Brett on this. I don't know whether it was something that Randy Newman uh, installed me from a young age with Toy Story and the Toy Story films. Just that that heartwarming score that he always seems to put into his films. But Marriage Story, that kind of set the tone for Marriage Story, honestly. 
and how much that film moved me and how much that film impacted me. Um, I can totally see where you guys are coming from with Joker, though. Especially my, my personal moment of the film with the score would be the last, the third act, where it finally comes to a crescendo almost, and there's chaos all around you, and the, the score complements that perfectly. So I could, I could totally see Joker winning this. I'm going to go with Marriage Story for this one, though. Uh, one, can I make one comment yeah, about ahead. Joker? This is something I read. Um, I'm gonna, I can't pronounce her name, but the 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 woman composer that did compose Joker, she did compose it before the film was made, and she let the actors use the score and listen to it to build their acting, you know, to build their uh, whatever their scene, you know, they were they were trying to do. And I think that's something very different that not many directors do. Most direct or most composers will see the film and they'll make a score to go with it so she cheated she made it before. <laughs> yeah. honestly i i think that's something well, that would that be i mean again like it was great uh, but wouldn't it be a lot easier to write a score for i mean maybe not because but i think it allowed walking phoenix to build his performance around the score so he cheated too so they should both be disqualified i don't know what you're saying about <laughs> cheating but you can actually hear a bang of a trash can in the background. Yep. <laughs> well, he kicked a trash can a couple times. That's right. <laughs> Dislocated his knee in that. Um, he got hit into a trash can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were talking about you know, let's go production design. That's kind of it all. For, for me, production design is kind of it all encompassing for like costume design, set design. Yeah, I, say, I, I liken it to the set design. Yeah, well, production design. Everything that you invest into the surrounding actors, but that ties into the costumes and exactly. the performances. And I, th- I consider out of all these, like you know, smaller uh, awards, uh, kind of all encompassing the umbrella award. But production design, we got a favorite here. I think the favorite has to be 1917 going yeah. into it. Just the, the way the way they they set up the entire tracking shot, taking them throughout the countryland, the countryside. Um, and into these these broken cities, um, I think 1917 has to be the favorite. There's actually been some footage from 19 the set of 1917. They've they've showed how they've kind of did you know did the tracking shot and how they kind of you know Mind created blown. these World War One sets, which were very uh, like horrifying. You know, like thinking about like their hellscapes. Like the the okay, it's World War One. There are a ton of dead bodies yeah, exactly. everywhere, and they look gruesome and they look real almost and like we like history books have written all about how gruesome this war it was it was a much uh more horrific war than world war ii was if you if you go back and you read about some of the stuff that happened and this film perfectly represents what that war must have looked like there's one shot that i i half like winced half like cried. i know what you're talking about I'll just say I'll just say this. It, uh, it's it's a, it's similar to uh, American Pie in in like a very vague way. I think I think you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, 1917. Any, any I'll other tell you ones what though. Oh, oh yeah, Matt, Matt, yeah, Matt does. I think um I think 1917 should get it. They built a burning town, and it, as you see, you know, you know, they're building these cities and these structures and landscapes that they have to track through and make it all look real without anything you know looking out of the ordinary but i also think once upon a time once upon a time in hollywood could get this because hollywood does love hollywood and is very stylistic film quentin tarantino he's you know he's a very stylish director i think i could see hollywood stealing this one we're talking about 1917 you show me a world war one set design and i raise you a world war two design in jojo rabbit i recently saw this film and it 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 takes place in a German town, and everything, everything looks like it was made back then 
in the 1930s and 40s when World War II was going on. It, it like I was amazed at the 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 quality of these people's costumes and the design of the the German town that the movie takes place in. Um, I would consider that my dark horse, but I'm still going to say 1917 gets the win. Yeah, I, I like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We got a long time into the uh, podcast before mentioning uh, that film, which has been nominated for so many things. Uh, without giving out giving away any major plot points for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there's one part of the movie where they're at a ranch um, mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, and kind of the the way they designed that and the way they recreated uh, old Hollywood, I thought was... Amazing. One thing Hollywood, I think, in the past at least they've done, the Oscars, they like more flashy, stylish, uh, clean scenes or clean sets like with parties or colorful things rather than dirty, but, disgusting, you know, like World War One. So that's But there's I, some dirty sets in, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes, yes, yes very grimy, yeah. yeah. But what, I, what I'm thinking is like there's cert- another scene, um, they're at the big house party at the very beginning of Once Upon a Time, and I think scenes like that where it's... Yeah. I, I think scenes like that where they're going around, and they're going around old Hollywood. So many people that are on the Oscars committee love old Hollywood, and I think they're going to... And then there's another one where film. Margot Robbie's character, and again, no spoilers, uh, is just like walking down the streets of Los Angeles, and that was very cool seeing that, and brought back some... A little bit, even though it was a different time period. A lot of nostalgia involved that's, that's, But also yeah. brought back some, some of the same vibes that La La Land brought in. Yeah. You know, and we know how that ended up. Yeah. So listen, I I will always die on the hill that La La Land should have won Best Picture that year. It did win for the first thirty seconds, uh, but yeah, that's why that's why we recognize the glow. No disrespect. To, I forgot how he made that mistake. I genuinely forgot how they how gave you like, they gave them the, the it was uh, Emma Stone's card, the envelope that said she had won Best Actress, and so they opened it, and the and first La La the first Land. presenter like realized that it was a mistake, and it was a female presenter with a male presenter, and all. the male presenter looked at it. And I think he either just didn't realize why she wasn't saying the name or just decided they had to say something. He went ahead and grabbed it and said La La Land. It says, it says La La Land, Emma Stone, for Best Actress. So they had the envelope. He read it off. She, the, the female presenter opened the envelope, realized that there was a mistake, handed it to the male presenter, and he was like, La La Land. And then they, like, get oh, off the stage. And they had to get him yeah, off the stage. That, I so, you would think they would put the actress's name before the movie if it's for Best Actress. You should also. But, I yeah. don't think there's so many things wrong with that. But like, there's the, but I digress. There's the rumors that like it was like staged, but whatever. Barry Jenkins, Florida State alum. Uh, obviously, we love Barry, but I still think La La Land should have won. Moving on, moving on. Anything uh, else? Uh, cinematography. Let's talk cinematography. This, this this should be. I I believe this is going to be a runaway. Biggest lock, win. yeah. Biggest lock, probably of of the. Award well, there's show. one. There's one other lock. I think international feature. Oh as, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's we'll the, that about, is we'll the biggest about, lock of the night. We're not even going to talk about international feature because the projected winner we'll talk about for for best picture. Yeah. Let's talk a little cinem- cinematography though. Um, 1917 again. Any, any other? Yeah, Rod, Roger Deakins deserves this. Yeah. It's no, you know he hadn't received a Oscar until Blade Runner 2049, which was a crime. He should have received it much before that with all the Coen brother films he did. And there were so many other great films he had yeah. beautifully shot, but this this was his masterpiece work, I think. This yeah. is the only this is the only category that the Lighthouse was nominated for, so I would probably go ahead and pick the Lighthouse to win. Um, Which is but a t- but I actually think 1917 is going to win. But my personal favorite of the year was the Lighthouse for cinematography. I, I love the I, way I it was those shot. Those are the, the two clear favorites. 1917 pulling away. But Irishman, Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, good cinematography, good film, great films. Beautifully shot. Uh, films. Yeah, beautifully shot. Um, prob- 
a lot of a lot of the Irishman way. doesn't. It's not, you know, technically. It's not. A, it's not this achievement Scorsese that you can put with the rest of his films because a lot of what the Irishman does is predicated on the actors and how they, how they perform in the movie. I think that's where a lot of the love comes from for the Irishman. I also think they released it way too early. I think if they released the Irishman, uh, maybe like middle of December instead of middle of November not with on Netflix. Netflix. I don't uh, know. Yeah. I have other you qualms. can't put a three and a half hour. I mean, you can, but I have other qualms about you There's know films on Netflix for, and yeah. not being. But in nineteen seven, yeah. What is the deadline? Is it it's like in mid November, I believe. Oh, is it really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, maybe I don't. But, but the nineteen seven yeah. premiered at, at film festivals and shown on silver screen. Yeah, nineteen seventeen and the lighthouse are clearly above the rest when it comes yeah. to cinematography only, though. For you've, sure, you've won me over with the uh, the fourth. I, I didn't notice that. Like it's it's that's shot in four three. Four three is my. F- this is gonna sound weird, but I do have a favorite resolution, and it is four three. Uh, imagine playing anything in ten eighty by nineteen twenty by ten eighty. It's supposed to be made by four three gang. Saying. Oh no, we're talking about the 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 aspect ratio. Yeah, that's what. I, that's shot, exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, nineteen seventeen. I don't. I think we're all in agreement. I know Luke likes the lighthouse. Yeah, the lighthouse was great. I just don't think it's gonna beat out. Oh no, it's not going to beat out 1970. It is my personal pick, though. Okay. And so I think we've got one more costume design, last one before we get into the, into the big ones. I don't. Think well, gonna... we have adapted screenplay and original oh, screenplay. screenplay. Let's do costume design because I, I think screenplay are like the borderline big categories. Yeah. So let's do costume design. All right. Uh, I picked Jojo Rabbit. I know we haven't talked about Jojo Rabbit that much. Taika Waititi, one of my favorite uh, directors right now in film and in television. He did the last episode of The Mandalorian. It was amazing. Uh, Jojo Rabbit. Um, I think Once Upon a Time has like a a, a foot in the door. Oh, one hundred percent. There's chance, like a there's a look right that we expect with Southern California in the sixties and seventies, and they, they nailed they, it to they a T. nailed it to a T. There's also a look we have in our heads about Adolf Hitler, and I thought Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> it is. It, listen, um, I, just like just we talked about one yeah. dude, then you have to look at Joker. Then yeah, just like we thing. talked about with production design and how I Joker talked about and Adolf Hitler. Yeah, how Joe thing. how. Jojo Rabbit is my pick for production design because of how real it looks. The same goes for the costumes in that movie. It, it I was I was amazed at how real they made it look, especially with Adolf Hitler. I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but as the movie plays out, Hitler's costume changes yeah. along with it. Yeah. And the way they 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 kind of incorporated that into the storyline was really really good. Um I think that and Little Woman. Yeah. I think because it's a period uh movie, because it's a period drama, I think they're gonna. Uh, it should be one of the favorites, but the costumes in that movie are absolutely brilliant. I love the way everything looked and felt in Little Woman, so I think I would probably go with them as so well. This is probably another, almost as close to a toss-up as you can get for the Oscars, mm-hmm. right? I would, I would say, just because of maybe all the backlash that uh, the Oscars did receive for not nominating Greta Gerwig or Little Women not receiving enough nominations for other awards, I think that that will get this, and yeah. because it's. It's just the costume designing in this movie is so well done. I think, I think it's a clear winner on this one. I think Jojo Rabbit is a second chance, and then Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has a slight chance of like you know the Hollywood thing. But I think Little Women has this. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens on Sunday. Um, screenplay next, guys. Sound good? Yeah, sure. One hundred percent original. Uh, let's start with adapted. Adapted, all right. Yeah. Uh, so. I love films that when I watch them without like a whole lot of background knowledge 
on what they're based off of or how they were made. Uh, learning, thinking that it was an original screenplay and learning that it was an adapted screenplay. Sometimes it's a little disappointing. You're like, oh, I thought they thought about that themselves. But the adapted screenplay is an art form within itself. Taking something either from a different medium and turning it into film um, is just as impressive. For me, uh, out, of, out of these nominees, we've got The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, and The Two Popes. Uh, for me, it was The Irishman. So based off the book... Uh, I Heard You Paint Houses, yep. which I actually thought would have been an amazing name for the film itself. They chose to go with The Irishman, which is the, the nickname for the, um, char- the, the, you know, the main protagonist, I guess you could say, um, played by Robert De Niro. Uh, when you're writing a screenplay for a three-plus-hour film that spans different time periods, several characters that are all based in somewhat in real life, uh, crazy oh, impressive. You're a screenwriter at that point. It does a disservice to what you actually are. You are an architect. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, to, to, to base it off of off of the book, I Heard You Paint Houses, um, it, it, it was incredible. And the writing and the acting, we, the acting complemented the writing and the writing complemented the acting. Uh, you know, they worked hand in hand and ultimately I thought the Irishman uh, did the best at, at that. 100%. I, I love the way that they replicated the book. I actually watched the, the film first and then I went back and I actually looked in to the book and I, I read the majority of the book I didn't quite finish it because I had uh, you know prior commitments to it but the way that looking back on it the movie followed the book and then actually built off of that with some yeah. of the some of the scenes and some of the the performances in the movie um, I thought it was really really good so I would I would probably elect the Irishman too I would probably so the, that should have been that. the name of the film right not the Irishman absolutely that is a badass name i, I heard, heard you, you paint, paint houses. houses are you kidding me that would have been such a better title for the movie i don't know i, I don't well, know I if scorsese has ever there might have been some rights issues with yeah that. maybe that know. was he wouldn't let him give him the title you, but you know why like you know what was my first reaction when i heard the name irishman for for the movie it was like why is why is robert de niro playing yeah playing it's, an like, irishman? A, it's like a mob a, movie i thought he was italian like what which is kind of ironic in itself yeah. and, I, and again i like the name the irishman it's a, it's ironic it's the nickname of the character and you're like wait a second Pesci pacino De Niro, Scorsese. This is why is it called Irish? the Irishman? This yeah. doesn't make any sense. But <laughs> ultimately, I, any other any other ideas? I thought there was some, all I the nominees were great. I, I would say uh, I think Jojo Rabbit has a big chance of winning this one. One hundred percent. Hollywood loves an edgy foreign film, or not foreign, but an edgy film. Hollywood and, does not love foreign films. Yeah, <laughs> no, not foreign films, edgy films. And I think this was the perfect Taika Waititi. I can't say it. Taika Waititi. He. He balanced the line of making a comedy about Nazis, and I think oh, he was, goes over the line. At I some mean, he points, goes yeah. over the line, but I think he didn't. You know, there's no severe backlash about the film, so I think he did a great job of not crossing the line too much. But I think it was the funniest film of he the year. He crosses too. the line at some points with some of the jokes that are made about anti-Semitism and, well, and he's all the Jewish, right? Yeah, or I believe so. Don't I don't, I don't know. I, yeah, don't don't check me on. me on that, please. But he does it in a respectful and purposeful way. Like you can clearly see that he's building to something way, way greater than just a few Jew jokes. Like if you, yeah. you know, you know what I'm saying. Heritage. So he is heritage, Russian Jewish. Heritage. Exactly, and so I think that that is another um, one that should be considered. But I would probably still go with the Irishman. Okay. Uh, original screenplay. What we got? 1917, <laughs> Knives Out, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You know, Marriage Story probably, like, I get that it's original screenplay, but the fact that it's kind of based in Noah Baumbach and Scarlett Johansson's divorce, the fact that they built this movie together as former divorcees, um, you could almost kind of see it as an adapted and original, um, but... 
if I had to vote for an original screenplay, Art imitates yeah. life, dude. Yeah, <laughs> the the one movie that absolutely blew my mind with the dialogue and the way the characters interacted with each other and the way just it's just a phenomenal original creative whodunit mystery. I would give this to Knives Out 100%. Ryan Johnson with probably the biggest bounce back of 2019 coming off of uh, the Last Jedi, um, still made a which is prior film. <laughs> Knives Out blew my mind. It was one of my favorite films See, the, of the year. The by apparent far. problem with the new Sky, uh, with the the new Star Wars movies is not that they made like oh, but they made a ton of money. The thing is, is that if they were better movies, they would have made so much more money. Yeah, maybe it's not even it's not maybe. even like a. But you didn't know it was going to be lackluster heading into it. I feel like it's st- like no, I, I very know. much knew it was going to be bad by the time I no, you didn't. Rise of Skywalker. I was convinced that it was going to be bad. Okay, was, we're talking good. about Last Jedi though. No, it was with Ryan Johnson. It was not a great. But now we're talking about Knives Out. Yeah, we are Thoughts. talking about Knives Out. Sorry, <laughs> I'm good. Um, Star Wars show is next week. So, but Knives Out, going back to it, it's so clever and so thoughtful. Uh, the the way that the characters kind of duel with each other. With their words and the way that Daniel Craig's character kind of accuses and questions and picks at these characters' brains, I thought it was such a clever screenplay written by Ryan Johnson. Um, but I could also see a point or um, an argument made for Marriage Story. Yeah, Marriage Story to me was the same thing where you kind of have these two people on pin pins and ne- uh, nails. Well, yeah, going it, at it. it. Yeah, Knives Out was my pick. Like I said, I said earlier in the show, haven't seen it. Um, but from everything I've heard, um, from the kind of, not the masterpiece, but the, the weave, the web that Ryan Johnson weaved in this, in this film, uh, probably deserves original screenplay. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, eh, maybe, maybe not. Parasite could also be up there as well. We're going to talk a lot more about Parasite yeah. once we get closer to, uh, Best Picture. I think Parasite could get original screenplay, um, especially if it doesn't get a Best Director or Best, uh, Picture. Best picture. I think it definitely could, and I think this is, I saw this in an interview with Bong Joon-ho, uh, I think I pronounced that right, he uh, used to tutor for a rich family, actually, and planned on getting his friends involved, but he got fired before he could, and that's what he kind of drew inspiration from. Yeah, I could totally see Parasite, and I honestly, I wouldn't be mad if Parasite ended up winning this category, because, again, we'll get into it later when we discuss the Best Picture nominees, but Parasite, to me, was one of the just like Knives Out, where you kind of weave this web and then slowly untangle it as the movie goes on. Um, I, I think it was super, super clever. One thing I will say about Parasite is you would feel like, like most of the time when I'm watching a movie, I think I could predict how it's going to happen, like what is going to you change. You can't do that. I got thrown for so many loops in Parasite, I it left me sitting there after the movie was over and was just like, what, what did just I just happened? watch? Yeah. What just yeah, happened? What just happened? Yeah. Yeah, I left Uncut Gems with a headache. I left Parasite, like, very, like, just shell-shocked, for lack of a better term. Um, All right, moving on. Big ones. Do we want to do actors and then director, or do we want to do directing and then do actors? Let's get directing out of the way and then move on to actors. All right, directing. Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Sam Mendes, 1917. Todd Phillips for Joker. Martin Scorsese for The Irishman. And Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Do it, Todd. I want to see. I want to see some chaos. Maybe, maybe I, I I took from the the older Joker. Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah, I just I just want to see a chaos. Uh, Todd, Todd Phillips. I I could see it. I wouldn't pick him, but I could see it. I mean, he would definitely get what he deserved if he uh, if he got <laughs> <laughs> if he got that. One thing I will spoilers. say about Todd Phillips is 
this was kind of like a whoa he can actually do good movies and not just the hangover trilogy <laughs> um you know he proved that he can direct very well and i think this was a great great movie he directed i don't think it stands up with some of the top ones though yeah my pick bong joon ho parasite 100 um, percent. sam mendez amazing everything that happened uh, especially with the cinematography and Roger Deakins with 1917. Amazing, amazing film. One of my favorites of the year. But Bong Joon-ho and the way he was able to mix in comedy, drama, action, thriller, and even some horror aspects into one film and the way he paced it and split it up into three brilliant acts in, in Parasite, uh, for me, best job done by a director in the last few years, probably. 100%. I, but I will say, my pick, if I had if I had to make a pick, would probably be Greta... Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I and, wish. And again, Greta... Oh my God. I wish. I'm so mad list. about that. Um, but I, I truly think that you could see a split where if 1917 wins Best Picture, I could see Bong Joon-ho winning for Parasite Best Director. Just like if I could, I could see Parasite winning Best Picture... And Sam Mendes taking home Best Director for well, 1917. We've seen where they split Director and Best Picture as a bit of a consolation prize for one or the other, whoever doesn't win Best Picture. Mm-hmm. I don't want that to be the case. Because, because there's a, there's a clue, yeah. I don't want Bong Joon-ho's award for Best Director to be seen as a consolation prize for not winning Best Picture. It was the best movie of the year, and we're going to talk about that later. Like, <laughs> like, but, like, Bong Joon-ho did, had the best, did the best job as a director. He deserves to win for this award, not for any sort of consolation prize yeah. if he doesn't win Best Picture, which he probably won't. I think we can agree that I think directing and Best Picture is really almost a two-horse race. You have Parasite and you have 1917. Mm. I, that's my honest opinion. I think those two are going to win all the awards. Uh, I don't see Sam Mendes not winning this award. I think Bong, yeah, I agree. I think Bong Joon-ho should get it, and he, he very well could, but I think what Sam Mendes was able to do with 1917 is unheard of. Um, well, I mean, it's done before, but I don't think it's I've ever seen it done in a war movie this well before. No, yeah. And a lot of people will, will compare it to Birdman yeah. uh, for the one shot, but like very, very different film from than Birdman. Um, Birdman, you could probably argue, was easier to do. Um, don't want to take any... I mean, that, it won Best Picture. Um, but, yeah, Sam Mendes, probably the runaway here. Unless they try to decide to do the consolation prize, I don't know. We we put the odds up. Well, who who is the favorite according to Vegas? Got to be Mendes. Favorite right? for this is probably right. probably Mendes. Yeah, let me look I think Mendes. Yeah, it does. Mendes minus five fifty. Yeah. Uh, Parasite is at plus two eighty five. Bond Joon Ho for Parasite is plus two eighty five. Tell you what, last year, uh, Roma, the director for Roma, won. Was that Alfonso Cuarón? Yes. Yeah. Who directed Foreign Film? Azkaban, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what, Ro- was Roma nominated for Best Picture or just for Ford? Yeah, Best Picture. It was. It oh yeah, didn't win. It was supposed. To, people thought it was going to win. It probably should have won. I actually didn't. Wasn't a huge fan. Who, who won Best Picture last year? Green Book. Green Book. Yeah, there. that was very decisive. <laughs> for our listeners, there, just let good. out a huge scowl. Green Book is like Green Book. And again, we want to focus on these Oscars. Green but, Book was like the award I go see on like a Sunday matinee with like my grandmother. I see with my family. No offense to my grandmother. <laughs> But, like, that's the movie she would take me to as, like, I don't know, like a teenager. Like, oh, let's spend some time together. Let's go watch this new film. And I'd lock out and be like, yeah, that was fun. Like, that was a good movie. What if Do the Right Thing was lame? But <laughs> but Green Book, I don't know. Yeah, I, I always forget that with the best picture. Only a year ago. But um, 
Yeah, Bong definitely. Joon-ho, yeah. If if you're betting on this, plus two eighty five, that might be might be a good bet. Value pick to... there. One thing I'll notice, uh, Sam Mendes, if he wins, it'll be the biggest gap between two, like awards, because he won in two thousand for American Beauty. That's right. And so now it'll be tw- it'll be twenty years between. Matt, two were you awards. born when the, when he won? Yeah, I was ninety nine. So, <laughs> so, so I mean, so was I. So was I. Hot calling and kettle black here, right? Um. Anyways. But yeah, it'll be the biggest gap between winning the same director winning two awards. The last one was held by uh, Billy Wild Billy Wilder. We're fifteen years apart for the Lost Weekend and the Apartment. Sam Mendes. There you go. Filmmaking. And there is our uh, stat of the day from Matt Poptak. Uh <laughs> We want to get to uh, supporting actors. Well, I, I want to talk a little bit more about director. Oh yeah, yeah. Scorsese. Is he on here just because he's Martin Scorsese, or is like... yes, it is not one of his better films. I, I, I would have been still more than a, happy. The Irishman is still a banger. Though. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's a great. great film, but I just don't think, from a director's point of view, it is as, as admirable as Bong Joon-ho, the work that he did, Sam Mendes did. Like, there are clearly better directors that did a better job this year than Greta Gerwig or maybe even Taika Waititi on this list instead of Martin Scorsese. It's, it's, what I'll say about The Irishman is I loved it. I think it was a different take, and I think Scorsese let the actors do most of the work. He didn't want to get involved and do a lot it's no it's this movie is no good fellas it's no the departed but it's it's right behind it is what i would say yeah That's, no i agree if i'm right behind those two movies like i'm in a really good spot i think i think it deserved to be nominated but it was just such a great year for movies that people are going to single it out um but yeah it's it's scorsese and, and that's, but yeah, that's that's not that's say. not why he should be on the list though. yeah but this movie, you can't. It's not yeah, like, that, that's what we're think, talking about. That's I don't think like, this this movie was not good enough to be nominated. I think this movie was the very movie can well be nominated. Directed. But if we're talking best job by a director this year, I could come up with a bunch of different names that probably should have been there instead of Scorsese. I think this is an average director's job by Martin Scorsese in this film. I, Say what you want. I, I, don't know. I won't. I'm not going to comment too much because I'm not. In huge agreement with that statement, but to each to each his own. That's a, that's a very very uh, neutral. I also think other directors could have been nominated for. Uh, I said earlier, Alma Harrell for Honey Boy. I think Honey Boy got robbed by not getting nominated for anything. I, I thought, thought it was a great whoever directed film. the Farewell. Don't know who that farewell, was. The farewell. farewell was another great one. Not even not even not, not, not a single nomination for the Farewell after Aquafina won for. Uh, lead actress at the Golden Globes. So uh, moving on to the acting category, supporting actor, we've got Brad Pitt for his role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Al Pacino for The Irishman, Joe Pesci for The Irishman, Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and Anthony Hopkins for The Two Popes. So we got we got characters uh, Jimmy Hoffa, um, <laughs> Pope Benedict, <laughs> um, and uh, Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers, <laughs> interesting, interesting group of uh, cast of characters, quite literally. Who wins uh, in the for Royal support, Rumble? For support, who would win in the Royal Rumble? I would I'm probably Brad, I mean, Brad Pitt's I got Brad Pitt. Yeah, because he beat uh, if his dog's there too. Well, he could he could also beat uh, Bruce, Lee? Bruce Lee in a fight. Yeah. So <laughs> probably his character. Pope Benedict, suppose, suppose. Pope Benedict <laughs> could hang in there for a, for a second. What happens, but, when, <laughs> what happens when the when the Swiss Army pulls up from like ringside and and. Does Brad Pitt in though? Well, Joe Pesci would. Joe, Joe Pesci wouldn't even be in the fight. He would just hang yeah, in his car in the background while one of his out. guys yeah. he would goes while in there. Someone flies in a plane to go. Yeah. Do no spoilers, job. damn it! <laughs> All right, sporting <laughs> actor. I think Brad Pitt's got this locked up. Usually, whoever wins sporting actor at the Golden Globes, good track record of going on to win at the Oscars. I think he's probably going to win this one. For me, 
uh, my favorite performance of the Irishman. And again, I've talked I've talked pretty negatively about the Irishman and all the acclaim it's gotten. I still love that movie, and the reason I love that movie is because it was a last hurrah for them to be together, De Niro, Pesci, and Pacino. Pesci was actually in retirement, came out of retirement to be in this film. And, and he was awesome. For me, it was the best acting performance in this, between him and Pacino, and they were both rightfully nominated. Um, Pesci would be my pick for, for best sporting actor this year. So out of those two, I would probably say Pacino put forth the better. Like, he nailed Jimmy Hoffa to a T. I yeah. went back and I watched a lot of videos about him just to see how Pacino got in that mindset to become Jimmy Hoffa. So I think if I had to pick between those two, I would give it to Al Pacino, but I think the overarching, the, the dude who deserves it the most is probably Brad Pitt. Um, I came away from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood not seeing this as a Leo film. It was not about Leonardo DiCaprio. Not at all. It was not about Rick Dalton in the end. I think it was about Brad Pitt's character. I think he stole the show for the latter part of that movie, for the most of the movie, actually. Um, I think it's one of his better performances in years. I thought he was extremely funny. Um, I think it's Brad Pitt's to lose, honestly. Yeah, Brad Pitt. I thought he was great. I thought, I thought they were going to transition the film to become him becoming the lead as the film went on, and I, that happened to an extent. And, and at the end, and again, no spoilers. Uh, I don't know. It kind of just he didn't get much to to do towards the end of the film. But maybe that was the point of his character. Brad Pitt, amazing performance. Um, will probably win. It was it was great. Um, but again, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with Pesci. Joe Pesci, though, as you said, that Brad Pitt wasn't the main character, or it didn't like transfer to him. I thought Joe Pesci was in The Irishman not that much time compared to all the other actors. Um, though I think he commanded the scene. He, he you could dominated feel his, yeah. the scene in every single scene he was in. The pacing of his dialogue, I mean, he killed it. The scene where he's like making the salad and they're just talking. We got the good the, grape juice for this. Yeah, one exactly. Like the, so, some of the dialogue he delivered, it felt. He, and, he, and this is in every mob movie he's been in. It just felt like he was a mob boss. Like that's just the. He disappeared into his which, role, which he might be. He might go back into retirement and become a mob boss. <laughs> yeah, I Shut think. <laughs> Like, I'm going to agree with you guys. I think Brad Pitt has this one. It's his category to lose. He's almost... I felt like I was watching this movie, and I felt like he was playing himself from that time period. Yeah, like, I feel like I could see that. Like, it, it was just Brad Pitt being Brad Pitt. Sexy Hollywood actor. Yeah, going around the town. Maybe a bit arrogant. Yeah. Shout out to Anthony Hopkins, though. I thought he was... Ex- I thought his his portrayal of Pope Benedict was really, really funny. Yeah. In the two posts. Yeah, they've got, the scene, they've, got, they've got that scene where they're... Uh, like just in like the Pope's, they're at the Pope's summer residence, and they're in like his lounge, which has like one TV and then like yeah. a piano. And he's like, "Oh, I don't get why you like soccer so much. It seems pretty boring to me." Uh, yeah, just like him and Jonathan Price, just like going back and forth throughout that film. The Great. so, not the end of the movie, and I won't spoil anything for you, but not the end of the movie, but the after credit scene as the credits are kind of playing, that is worth the price of admission alone, for yeah. for those of you who have watched it. Yeah, uh, Hopkins uh, again. He, he he great performance, but I, f- I feel like a lot. I don't know. Maybe there was someone better. Was I think you could have swapped in Shia LaBeouf there for Honey Boy. I don't know. I haven't seen Honey Boy though, so I can't I can't comment. Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. Willem yeah, Dafoe. That's, that's all I'm gonna say. Willem he deserved Dafoe to be up there. I think. You know, I'm sort of a nominated actor myself. Or um or or the uh, father from uh, Parasite. Yes, that, that's one thing we we didn't talk about. Parasite's cast was yeah. extremely none of them got not represented. Which is usually you have to get the acting nominations to win not have to but usually the, you get acting nominations if you're going to win Best Picture they didn't get a single acting but that's nomination. why Parasite worked so well it was a cohesive family but, but effort but if there was one you'd probably say the father yes I yes. like. I also really thought the daughter did very yeah. well um, yeah she art, was good art teacher she was good I like the wife 
of the the rich family. I'm, I'm blanking on the name right now. I yeah. thought she I thought she she was she played that role very hilarious. Well. She played like the very like D- very ditzy, simple, very very yeah. rich rich person. What we think of to yeah. be rich people. You so know? no no parasite for any of the acting categories. All right, supporting actress Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell, Alora Dern for Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh for Little Women, and Margot Robbie. Probably surprisingly, making uh, getting a nomination for Bombshell. My pick, and who I think will win, she won at the Golden Globes. She didn't get a whole lot of screen time, uh, but was just so badass every time she her mouth opened in this movie. Laura Dern in Marriage Story. She played an attorney um, as this couple's going through a divorce, and was just hilarious and uh, decisive and awesome. I love Laura Dern. She's been on a hot streak lately in TV and in film. I was going to say, you know, just like we were talking about with Ryan Johnson bouncing back with Knives Out, Laura Dern these last couple of years since The Last Jedi and her very controversial portrayal of Captain Holdo. She was fine in The Last oh. Jedi, too. The, the writing was poor for yeah. Captain Holdo. <laughs> I would agree. She, she bounces awesome. back with not just Marriage Story, which I think she should absolutely deserve the, uh, the win for. She was really, really good in Little Woman. Betraying the yeah, the matriarch of the family. Going to TV, I, I, she's been nominated. I don't know if she's won an Emmy for Big Little Lies. Absolutely incredible in Big Little Lies. Uh, there's some great jiffable moments or, or moments you could turn into short video clips that she's you got give? from Big Little Lies. And probably for uh, Marriage Story as well. Laura Dern, I, I don't even think there's another anyone close. Yeah. Other well, than 1917 for cinematography, I think this is maybe the most locked-in category with Laura Dern getting it yeah probably you know we talked about locked in and it, it might as well be locked in but i would really like laura dern deserves it don't get me wrong but i would love to see florence Pugh take home the nominator the win for supporting actress in little woman i actually thought you know if if we're talking best performances of the year i think this was florence florence Pugh's third best performance of the year after fighting with my family which she was awesome that was such a great movie if for wrestling fans out there and for just moviegoers like it was a really really good film and then midsummer she absolutely killed it in yeah. midsummer say what you want about the film i know there are a lot she of was, controversial takes about it but she absolutely killed it uh, so she, what a year for florence Pugh. i would really like to see her go home with the supporting actress because she was great in little woman too yeah i agree all right, big big ones. We got the big three: you got the lead actor, lead actress, and best picture. Let's start with lead actor, Antonio Banderas for *Pain and Glory*, Leonardo DiCaprio for *Once Upon a Time in Hollywood*, Adam Driver for *Marriage Story*, Joaquin Phoenix for *Joker*, and Jonathan Price for *The Two Popes*. Right, I, I uh, Pope Francis, go for it, Sebastian. Oh boy, so quiet for too long. Yeah. So I want to remind you guys of a little film called *The Revenant*. Where, I remember uh, it well. Where Leo DiCaprio finally got his. Oscar, and for me, it was kind of uh, not not the greatest way he could have won an Oscar. I think there were uh, a handful of other roles that he should have won earlier. Wolf of Wall Street, yes. Wolf, oh, of, Wolf Wall of Wall Street, Street is far and away the best example. Um, but one of the things that he he did was physically alter his body for for the for the part. Right, he like starved himself to a degree, and uh, he basically ate, put himself ate through bison liver. Yeah, he literally put himself through hell in order to get what he deserved. Um, and Phoenix did something very similar. He lost a, an enormous amount of weight. I think he lost something like 55 pounds, something like that. He, he basically put himself to be critically underweight in order to be, uh... Be Joker. Be Joker in this film. And I, I thought he was so good in this film. Like, he is, without quite, I don't have to blink when I look at that list. Like, for me, it's Joker. For me, for me, he is, like, he's the best Joker since... Since Ledger, 
He's um he's not quite like the Joker that I listen to in my mind when I when I read lines from the Joker. That's still Mark Hamill, um because Mark Hamill is still my quintessential Joker. I know it sounds weird, but uh, he, he for for those of you who don't know, he was the uh, the voice actor behind mm-hmm. original and uh, the original Batman the animated series, and in um, the uh, subsequent video games and, and, that came out. and the subsequent games and yeah. and and the Killing Joke and basically any time where Joker is voiced, it's Mark Hamill that you're listening to. But uh, Hulk and Phoenix, he, he he went the distance for exactly that he, what he needed to do um, in order to put in a sublime performance. And that's why I thoroughly believe that Hulk and Phoenix deserves uh, the nod for best actor. I'm going to have to agree with you, Sebastian. I thought Joaquin Phoenix put forth the best acting job the entire year among Hollywood. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to see Pain and Glory with Antonio Banderas, so I can't comment on that. I love Jonathan Price in the two popes but i do think this is a three-horse race even though i, I have walking phoenix winning uh leonardo dicaprio probably puts forth his funniest role in a while um jordan belfort was a was a funny character but he, he like that kind of transcended just being a funny role rick dalton in once upon a time i had a really really awesome time laughing at his character in that um, there's one, the one scene at the end of the swimming pool I mean, yes, absolutely. Just to highlight a couple that were really good. Um, and his conversations with little Sadie, Sadie Robertson. Yes, that was probably the best acting yeah. for the film. Forward to 100%. Um, but if I had to pick, I would probably go with Joaquin Phoenix because he steals the show. I love Adam Driver in Marriage Story too, and he might be my second place. I want to give a shout for Adam Driver. Go ahead. Who go ahead, I think, Brent. for my money, is like might be the most talented actor alive. We've seen him in television with girls for however five or six seasons, however long that was on TV. We've seen him do some big blockbuster films. He was the main heavy for uh, the new Star Wars trilogy. He carried it. And he really did. Uh, best actor Star Wars has probably ever seen. Um, and and then in Marriage Story, again, another great film. He's done others. But, Black um, Klansman last year. He killed it last year. Yes. Logan Lucky. Great in Logan mm-hmm. Lucky. Um, the one scene in, that, in Marriage Story that I think should win it for Adam Driver... He didn't win at the Golden Globes. I thought he was going to pull off an upset over Phoenix there. Uh, the one scene in Marriage Story, though, that should win it for him, but it probably won't. There, he's at a restaurant with some colleagues or some friends, and he gets up and he like there's does a solo musical musical number, a musical song, and it was just it was so powerful, so good. And for a guy like Adam Driver, who is reserved, who doesn't watch a single second of anything he acts in. He does not watch back any of his movies, any of his television shows. To, to see him put like, pull all that emotion out in that one song and throughout that movie, I know everyone wants to talk about the scene that's gone viral, that's been released on Twitter everywhere, the band screaming match between him and Scarlett Johansson's character. That is not his best That's not the best in scene in the movie. It was great. The great scene was great. But some of the other things, the interactions with his son, the, things when, the, the parts of that movie where everything's kind of quiet. And he uses his facial expression, he uses his emotion to carry that film... And it was a movie about them both, but the movie was really centered around Adam Driver and how he was dealing with the divorce and how he was dealing with his maybe lackluster relationship with his son and everything else that goes on in that film. Adam Driver, one of the best actors alive, amazing performance in Marriage Story. You know, you can't say much more about Adam Driver than what Brett just put out there, but I want to highlight another moment in this film that kind of sells Adam Driver for me. It's the scene, it's Halloween night, where things kind of go off the rails and he gets his kid taken from him by Scarlett Johansson's character for a party. And then afterwards, um, Adam Driver's character is forced to kind of have this makeshift Halloween trick-or-treat night 
with his son going from, yeah. you know, apartment building to apartment building and just the sequence of events where you could clearly see the desperation in his voice yeah. and in his character. Adam Driver completely sells. I, I felt my, like my heart sank watching him try to salvage this relationship with his son. And that's what, that's what the movie is about. And that's why it's so, that's why it's so personal and why I think marriage story is we'll get into best picture later, but Adam Driver sells it. I'm going to go back to Sebastian's point about Leo with the Revenant, um, that not being his best movie, but him still winning the award. I think that's the case for Joaquin here. I think Joker, he may be the best acted movie of the year, but I think Joaquin is long overdue. He had uh, Gladiator, he was nominated for supporting role. Uh, Walk the Line, he was nominated. I think he should have won that one. And then The Master, which I understand... um, did, was it? he nominated for her? Was he nominated for her? Yes. I think yeah, so. Maybe. I don't think yes, he ever yes, for her. No, no. He, has, he hasn't won. He hasn't won. He's so good um, But The Master, I think, is his best acted movie. And the fact that Daniel Day-Lewis got it for Lincoln, because that was a, I think that was a lifetime he was, role. Yeah, he, no, but he, Daniel Day-Lewis was awesome in Lincoln. He was, but I think The Master will hold ground more as time goes by. Um, not to go into the detail about The Master, but also, when you said uh, you hear Mark Hamill or Heath Ledger still as your Joker, I think what Joaquin was able to do and take the dope Joker in a different direction and not try to copy what Heath Ledger did and being able to... to make his own Joker. I think that's what Jared Leto failed at, but yeah, he did probably. very well. Jared Leto probably tried a little too hard. Yeah. You, know, you talk about Heath Ledger and Mark uh, Hamill and their portrayals as Joker. You know, Joaquin Phoenix gives it this sense of reality with Joker. At he the end of Joker the, down to the real world. At the end he's of not the, even a comic book actor. He gave us a backstory for him. At the end of the day, the Joker is really just this impoverished dude, sad little dude living with his mom. Like he's He's just another guy in this huge huge world and that's what sort of drives him instead of being this larger than life you know sociopath that we that we've come to know the joker's character as um so i really want to give credit to joaquin phoenix for kind of grounding joker's character in this movie and and they're gonna joker uh, there's been talks about a sequel i hope it's a standalone film because joker the villain you can love him for who he is as a villain and all the other ways he's portrayed i don't want joker to appear in Batman movies as a sympathetic figure. I like Joker as a likable villain. Like, Heath Ledger's Joker is likable for the terrible person that he is, the terrible character that he is. Um, he's the other side of the coin. But he's my not favorite, He's not a sympathetic my, figure my in favorite, any means. My favorite portrayal of Joker um, throughout every film, it, it isn't a specific, like, character, even though Hamill is, like, my favorite, but the idea of Joker, where he's a, he's a foil, he's the other side of the coin uh, to Bruce Wayne. Like, um... When, when you begin to doubt whether or not Joker is a real thing and not something that uh, the Batman is making up to uh, counteract, you know, to be that foil. Yeah, um, and it, yeah that's never clearer than when yeah. Joker is literally standing on the other side of the gate from Thomas Wayne and from Bruce Wayne right there. Yeah. You can clearly see the parallels weird. there. That's, that not, that's my favorite. That's my favorite. Um, that is my when when the Joker is that that is my favorite kind of Joker. Yeah, that's that's what the word I'm looking for. The kind of Joker that I'm looking for. That yeah, that scene right there was scary. Yeah. For those yeah. Let's let's move on to leading actress before we get to the big one, best picture. I know we've been going on for for quite some time now. Uh, leading actress we got Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, Scarlett Johansson second nomination of the evening for Marriage Story, Saoirse Ronan my favorite actress for Little Women, Charlize Theron for Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger for Judy. Interesting. Uh, 
to be quite honest, I thought some of these performances were kind of weak. To to be on here, uh, not, yeah. I just don't. I feel like it was a weak year for, and that's not anyone's fault. But like, I don't. I didn't think there was a major snub necessarily for lead actress. Lupita. It, yeah, Lupita a... Nyong'o was the biggest one, and I th- I would probably take Charlize Theron out. Maybe that'd probably be the one I'd bump. Uh, Nicole sure. Kidman had a better performance in Bombshell than Charlize Theron. If anyone yeah. should have been on this list, it should have been Kidman from that movie. But I don't. I didn't think anyone from Bombshell deserved to be on there. Anyway. My pick, Saoirse Ronan, just because I love her. But I think. Zellweger is probably another major lock for this one. Yeah, unfortunately, we haven't seen Judy, so I can't. I we, I we can't really comment on Renee Zellweger's pre- yeah performance. Um, I'm sure it's deserved. I'm sure that she will win it um, because that's what we've been hearing over this time. But I would probably go ahead and give it to Scarlett Johansson for her. I'm one, per- of, I'm one of the few gambling men here at the radio station. We've got a healthy <laughs> amount, but um, I don't know something about like. Something about my back pocket saying, like, put your money on Arriva. For Harriet, I was not a big fan of Harriet, honestly. <sighs> I, I've, I've got a feeling. I could see it happening. I've got a feeling. <sighs> I could see it happening. I think Zellweger's got this one locked up. Yeah, I would I would far. 100% agree with that. ScarJo. Saoirse Ronan is so good in Little Woman. She's though. good in everything she does. One of the best actresses alive. Uh, ScarJo. Good, really good. Yeah, I want to ask Brett, what was, what was what are your hesitations towards Scarlett Johansson? In Marriage Story, why do you feel like she doesn't deserve uh, leading actress? She deserves a nomination by far. I don't. I wouldn't put her anywhere close to winning, just because I don't know if she had enough screen time as a lead actress. Like I said, the movie really gotcha. centered around Adam Driver. I think her character, her story was interesting. Her dynamic with her mother, obviously with Adam Driver, and there were plenty of great scenes with just Scarlett Johansson. So the way the movie was made uh, probably didn't work in her favor for winning this award or being in contention for this award. Um, because it really was. It was about the two of them, but we got more scenes alone with Adam Driver than we did with Scarlett Johansson. I think if that were flipped, you, the, the, their odds at winning their respective awards might also be flipped. So let me ask you guys this question. Do you think Adam Driver be, giving such an out, you know, giving such a great performance in Marriage Story kind of outshines Scarlett Johansson? Yeah, well, the way, so. yeah, like Brett was saying, the way the movie is written, it's a, like, no Bombach writ, wrote this film, wrote this film from his own perspective. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see a lot more of, uh, you know, his character, Wait, I Charlie. Thought, I thought Adam Driver's character was based off Colin Jost. <laughs> Come on, Brett. <laughs> but like I said, Char- Charlie, Adam Driver's character, we get to see a lot more of him. And it's because we're probably supposed to see a lot more of him. You know, and the way the way he's processing everything right now. So I think that does do a disservice to Scarlett Johansson. She's great in this film, but I have to agree with Brett. She probably doesn't have enough screen time to really get that win. Best picture. The one that we've been waiting for. For me, it's Joker. Nine nominees. Let's read them off first. Then we can all give our picks. <laughs> Ford versus Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Woman, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And Parasite. Do we, we don't have enough time to break down each of these because we, Ford vs. Ferrari. All, let's just talk the about the top. Ford versus Ferrari shouldn't even. Ford vs. Ferrari shouldn't be on this. Scratch list. it off. I think there's a top the tier in each group. It doesn't even need to be replaced. Just how they nominate. I, I I truly believe you can split Best Picture into three distinct categories with three different movies. Um, at at the very bottom, I would probably go with Ford vs. Ferrari. I would go with The Irishman, and I would go with Joker. As like the the C tier, and then I would put Jojo Rabbit, Little Women, and Once Upon a Time in that next category. And then I think the three front runners that probably should get a lot of love is Parasite, 
Marriage Story in 1917. And I think it's that's probably the three clear ones. Too. I'd, I would flip Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Marriage Story. Not yeah. in, ter- per- in terms of personal enjoyment, Marriage Story is towards the top for me. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and, and the type of consideration they're going to get from the Academy is probably closer to the top. For a while, they were the favorite um, until 1917 picked up a lot of us since the Golden Globes. For me, I like you guys said, I agree. There's, I said it earlier with Best Director. I think that this could be a flip-flop category with if... Bong Jo uh, Bong Joon Ho wins for Parasite, 1917 will win. Uh, if if Sam Mendes wins, Parasite could win this category. Uh, I don't necessarily like the way the Academy does that sometimes, but I could see it happening because those two movies to me were the two best movies of the year, the best directed movies of the year, um, and it's just going to be hard to decide from the two. That's why in the end, I'm I'm going to give my vote. For Parasite, it is the best film that I watched in 2019, 2020, basically, that, that time period. Um, I truly believe that 1917 will take home the win just because of the technical feats it accomplished, because of the acting in it, because of the production design, everything encompassing it, 1917, and the way it's garnered traction over the last couple of months. Um, I think it will take home the win for best picture of the year. It does break my heart a little to see Ford versus Ferrari so have such long odds just because, like, this is a little personal for me, but Ford versus Ferrari, just the story of it, those six years of of war uh, that those two um, racing departments had is, like, my favorite story of all time. Like, and, and it's not just, like, this race, the one that Ford finally wins, but it's it's the race before it and the race before it and the race before it. Uh, there's, there's so many stories just encompassed in each one of those races. There's so much drama. There's so much uh, work that, like... Uh, the Ford com- Motor Company in Europe spent like at least hundreds of millions of modern day dollars on that racing team just to see um, them beat for- Ferrari at their own game. Um, I could literally, I could literally host a one man graveyard shift and talk about this story from start to finish <laughs> because kind of getting like, started there, Sebastian. What? I said you're already getting started on. Yeah, it, I, I really could because it's so, it's so good, man. It's such a good story. And it's a it's it's a story that like I don't remember if they show it in the in the movie or not, but the the beginning of this story literally could be the opening of that movie um, by itself. Where it, the the whole, I'm not going to go into it, but I, I have to tell it. Just picture this: Ferrari, the company, is on its knees. It's looking for a buyer. They're like Enzo Ferrari will no longer own Ferrari. What does he do? Well, he links up with Ford and. Ford wants, like, a luxury brand under their umbrella back in the 60s. So what do they do? They try and buy Ferrari. And what you've got is on one side of the room, you've got um, Ford Jr. with a, his cast of um, with his cast of lawyers. Like, he's literally got, like, a dozen lawyers. And on the other side of this room, in Maranello, uh, which is the home of Ferrari, he, um, you've got uh, Enzo Ferrari and the local Italian lawyer. And... They're going over the papers of the, of the contract to buy this thing, and Ferrari points at one thing, and he's like, I don't like this, because it's the, the part of the contract where he gives up control of his racing branch, his, like, his baby. The whole reason why he started selling cars was so he could build cars on the racetrack. And they start going back and forth, and he's like, no, I'm not selling this part, I'm not selling this part, I'm not selling this part, until he gets up, and he leaves, and the deal is over. And that's why this whole thing starts. And um, it, that that in and of itself could be a scene. Yeah, I, I mean, I liked Ford versus Ferrari a lot. I just don't think 
No, yeah, and I, and I and I and I agree because like like I said, for me it's Joker. For me, it's, it, Joker is my movie of the year. But um, but I am uh, it it does hurt a little. It does sting a little. But whatever. That's my that's my last bit. If I'm gonna cast my vote, uh, I'm gonna put my faith. I'm putting faith in the Academy here. I think Parasite will get the actual award here. I think they'll give Sam Mendes the best directing. And if they do give it to him, I think Parasite will get the best uh, picture because it was just such a different film, and it's grown its traction in the last couple, like, I'd say a month or two. It's grown so much traction and so much hype around it, as 1917 has too. But, yeah, I don't know. This, this film just hint different for me. Whether or not, you know, Parasite ends up winning, I do think it'll be looked back upon as the best film and the most thoughtful film of the year. Um, in 2019, just just the way it expresses class warfare around the world, and so, some of the, and some of the shots in the movie, you can clearly see that. Though I'm not going to get into a whole lot of detail because we don't want to spoil this movie. No, there's so much symbolism. Please, please go see this movie. The way when things kind of go off the rails in the end, and they make they they make this string of shots. Where they dis- they keep descending and descending and descending yeah, back that, that down thunderstorm their- sequence oh, so good that right. that hits you hard because it's real you know stuff like this happens around the world all the time and so I think Parasite whether or not it wins pr- it probably should win um, it'll be looked back upon as the film of 2019 yeah Parasite would be my pick 1917 most likely winner I wouldn't put my money el- anywhere else other other than 1917. But in terms of Oscar moments that can get me out of my seat, I know we're the sports department, but we've been talking for nearly two hours about the Oscars, uh, you know, since we got here. So a moment that would get me out of my seat would be when, end of the night, close to midnight, pull out the best picture envelope and Parasite would be announced the winner, which I think is possible. 100% is possible. possible. I think it's an upset that's very possible. I wouldn't put my money on it. Um, Parasite, or 1917, so much buzz. I could see it winning a crazy amount of Oscars um, on Sunday evening. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be 1917. One value pick I will give out to those who might be interested in something like that. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Once Upon a Time could make a sneaky, sneaky charge at that. That would make me roll my eyes. Like, I would roll my eyes. That's that's Hollywood. But, here, but here's the I thing. I loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Don't it. get me wrong. If they would have given it to La La Land, I would have believed. Uh, I would buy it, but I don't think so. After, yeah, they after they went against La La, La, La Land. Thing, I, I the it. reason I say it is because Quentin Tarantino is on his ninth film now. Once Upon a Time is his ninth yeah. film. He's only making ten. Yeah. I I know that the Academy wants to give him one before. Has he got a Best Picture? I don't. He has not gotten a Best Picture. He's gotten a Best Screenplay. Yeah. He's gotten a Best got, Director. I think he two is Best Screenplays for uh, Pulp Fiction and Inglorious Bastards. He got one for Django. It was Django, not Inglorious Bastards. But I don't think that the Academy wants to wait until the very last one of his movies to hand hand him one of those p- best picture uh, wins. what if it's not as good? Exactly. So I'm I'm still going to go with 1917. I think it's the better film. But I would not be surprised if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood took home the win. Yeah, I think that's another one that's possible. I think those are the three that really have a chance. Marriage Story, I don't think, carry enough weight to... Get up there. I know they've got the acting nominations, which I guess keeps them in contention. Um, and, and Joker is probably the biggest dark horse. Uh, I would. It has a sl- it has a chance because anytime that a, would make a me takes r- home best yeah. actor, a yeah. film takes best yeah. actor, it's got a strong chance. That would that would make me roll my eyes more than once upon a time if Joker was, if like, Joker Joker was a movie I I liked but didn't love. Um, and I loved Once Upon a Time. I liked it a lot yeah, more than yeah. Joker. 
Maybe. Joker had a know. lot more uh, societal don't, conversations don't, don't if we're going to talk so about did it. Parasite, though. Don't do yeah, Parasite, most, Parasite did, but not enough pe- I don't think enough people saw Parasite, but... Yeah, and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting. I think, uh, like I said, nineteen seventeen is the favorite. Nineteen seventeen is the favorite for a lot of these damn awards. Um, deservingly, and but... deservingly so. Yeah, no, nothing. I loved nineteen seventeen. It's gonna win a lot. It deserves it. Um, Parasite is my favorite movie of the year. I think Luke's as well. Sebastian likes the Joker. I'm between Matt Parasite and 1917. Um, For your favorites of the year? Yes. Those are my two favorite years. At the end of the day, I just hope that every single film gets what they deserve. Great f- great year for movies. That's all I'll say. This is going to be the This is going to be the best Oscars to watch in a while. I truly believe that. There, across the board, there is so much quality being put out by Hollywood nowadays. Absolutely. Especially after last year. I can't wait to see what we get in 2020. I doubt it's going to top 2019, though. No, 2019 was a great send-off year for the decade. Do you guys have a film of the decade? This will be a last question, I promise. Oh, boy. Grand Budapest Hotel. That's a hard question to drop right there. That's, that's uh, probably my favorite movie ever. I'm conflicted. It's either going to be Wolf of Wall Street or La La Land. La La Land is probably, La La Land is probably my favorite. That, that movie hit me hard, man. I'm going to say, oh, man, that's a hard question to drop. I really, really like The Master. I talked about it earlier. I think that's the best acted movie I've ever seen. Probably, yeah, that could be up there. The Master, it, it didn't didn't receive, I don't think, many, I don't think, I don't even know if it received an Oscar. Um, kind of a weird movie, but uh, the way Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman, R.I.P., um, were just able to dominate the screen that that's my film of the decade i think my film i know this is this is kind of cheating but i think i think i'd have to give it to oj made in america yeah i think that'd be a good documentary one. series yeah yeah it's i it's like a it's, it's a 10 parter so it's kind of cheating or was it a 10 seven no, it i think it's six or the seven ESPN? The, the espn the 30 for 30 seven, yeah. six, seven, parts. seven parts i'm thinking of the mj one that they're making which it will be a 10 part series yeah um but yeah i, I that one was so good, and it, and it's kind of cheating because it's such a it's it's a seven part movie series. Yeah. It's incredibly robust, and it's a do- it's a documentary, so it's a little different. It's a little out of left field from what we might consider. But I think yeah. it was amazing. I I binged it. I think it like th- two or three days. So probably one of the most well put together documentaries. Like when we t- when we talk about documentaries, we think of you know before, during, and after, kind of going into what this kind of person was. OJ made America absolutely did that for me. Yeah, it was really good. There's a film that was released in, like, 16 or something that left me, like... I remember walking out and saying, I am completely satisfied, but I don't remember which one it was specifically. Animated film, I would say The Adventures of Tintin, because that movie was freaking awesome. <laughs> I, would have, I would have to think about animated for a, for a second. But, yeah. like, that, that, one, that one just comes off the top of my head because I, I loved it so much. But for, for that, I think that's it, though. I think we should bring it home. I think that's all she wrote. All right, for Matt, for Luke, for Brett, and for myself, this has been Tomahawk Talk and Graveyard Shift. You were listening to WVFS, uh, the voice of Florida State. That's, That's all it. Yeah. Send it. See you. Thanks.